Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 6. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this evening to 2 Chronicles, chapter 6. That's 2 Chronicles, chapter 6. And give me an amen once you are there. And so, Father, we are so grateful to be able to come before you this evening in your house, Lord, that you've given us. And it's a beautiful house, Lord. It's so special, Lord. But it's special because of you. You've given it to us, Lord, and your presence is with us. You say where two or more are gathered in your name, that you are in the midst of us. And so, Father, have your way as we study your word. Empower us by your spirit, Lord, to to learn of you, Lord. I pray that you would remove anything in our hearts that isn't right, that isn't good, any sin that would um, block out what you would have for us this evening so speak to us lord give us humble hearts pour out your grace may it be all of you and then of me in jesus name we pray and together we say amen and so as we know here in the second book of chronicles chapter six uh, we've been reading about the dedication of the temple Uh, god it is a glorious time really for the nation of israel It's not every day that, you know, a nation gets a new temple and God gets his house. And it's the first one uh, really in the Bible. And so it's a real big deal. All of uh, the nation is is there in Jerusalem. God has, uh, his promise has come true that he had promised King David that his son would build him the temple. And, uh, And so there they all are in Jerusalem dedicating Uh, this temple praising the Lord King Solomon and all the elders are there we read last week that the uh, Levites and the priests about 120 priests as they sang to the Lord and played their instruments and their voice became as one man that the cloud of the Lord came upon the temple and it was so thick that they could no longer minister to the Lord. They had to stop everything because God's glory, God's cloud was so thick upon them. And that's where we're at in our story. It's a moment of, of great awe, majesty, glory. Everyone celebrating the Lord and God's presence is there. And Solomon is about to address the people. In verse 1, it says, Then Solomon spoke... And uh, he said, the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an excellent house and a place for you to dwell in forever. And so he addresses the cloud to everybody. And he says, the Lord said that he would dwell in the dark cloud. And of course, to the Israelites, the, the dark cloud is is huge it's everything it, it, it speaks of the time when God saved them out of slavery out of Egypt and would lead them through the wilderness uh, in a with a, a pillar of a cloud 
Uh, in Exodus chapter 13 is where you find that story. But uh, it says that when the children of Israel had left that bondage, um, that the Lord went before them. And he, it, it says that you have seen, or the Lord said to them, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you out myself. And again, that was the reality. God brought them out with a tremendous miracle that blew everybody away. And he would go on to speak to Moses when Moses went up to Mount Sinai. And he said to Moses in Exodus 19.9, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. And so the cloud, the cloud that would lead them through the wilderness and the cloud that uh, would be around Moses, it all spoke to the reality that God was Israel's salvation, that he is the reason why they are no longer in bondage. And that cloud represented that. It represented that God pulled them out of bondage on eagle's wings. He just, you know, swept them up and was able to save them. And so the cloud in our story represents that God indeed is the salvation of his people. But not only is he the salvation of his people, but he's also the one that desires to guide his people throughout their journey. And then thirdly, uh, the cloud was, was, was to affirm Moses' authority over the people, that God was with them. And in the same sense, this cloud over the temple is doing the very same things. It's God is our salvation. God is guiding us. And Solomon is God's choice to lead his people. And it is the heart of God. Even today, nothing has changed. Jesus Christ is our salvation. He died on the cross to save us, to pull us out of the bondage of sin. He rose on the third day uh, for our justification. And he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Jesus is our salvation. God is still our salvation. We're reading the fact that the cloud came thick upon the temple because God wants us to remember really what the cloud represented. And it represented that he is our salvation. Don't forget that he pulled you out. He pulled me out of the miry pit of bondage, of spiritual blindness, of being completely lost. But yet God came and had mercy and pulled me out. He pulled you out and he pulled us so swiftly, so beautifully. And he is our salvation. But also with the cloud, God desires to guide our lives. Even today, God is looking every single day to guide you and I in the way that we should go. And we know that it is through his word by which he speaks to us and guides us. It's his spirit that confirms. It's his word. It's his people. It's his shepherds that he's placed over us. And so God desires not only that, that he is our savior, that we know that, but that he's also wanting to guide us. So wherever you're at tonight and whatever wisdom or knowledge or instruction that you need tonight that cloud represents when that cloud moved the people moved so God wants to show you when to stay when to stop when to go when to go left when to go right all of those things God God desires to guide us and also just to affirm 
This is an affirmation of God's presence and blessing um, upon his people. And God is with us. And God is affirming this family and this church and all that he's doing in and through you and I. He's doing a marvelous work of his spirit. We see it every Sunday and every Wednesday. There's just fruit abundance and there's just things happening. The fruit of the spirit is love and it's here. And I'm so blessed that God is affirming that uh, to us. And so the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel was standing. And he began to just bless the Lord. But before he blessed the Lord, he turned around to the assembly and he blessed the assembly. And it's beautiful to see this young king, King Solomon, desiring to bless God's people. And no doubt, why did God even choose Solomon to be king? Was it not so that Solomon, as a king and a representative of the Lord, would bless God's people? His kingship was to bless God's people. His authority was given to him so that he would bless God's people. And all of us in this room have been given some form of authority or another by the Lord. If you're a mom, a dad, an older sister, older brother, uncle, whatever, you, if you have any form of authority, it's been given to you by God in order for you to bless those that you are over. Why else would he give us um, authority other than to bless others? Think about that. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, Paul says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So even the positions and the gifts of the spirits that, that has been uh, gifts of the spirit that have been given, it's for the equipping of the saints. It's for others to be blessed, not just ourselves. So I just love this about King Solomon, that he turns to the people and he blesses them. Reminds me of our king, our Jesus, our Messiah, right, who came not to serve himself but to serve others. So whatever God has called you to, to be, if you have any authority over anyone, treat them right. Love them unto the Lord. Because all of us have a king and he's watching all of us. And the Bible says that we are kings and priests unto the Lord. So all of us are kings and queens. And, and so think about it. How can, are you blessing those that, that are in your family? Those that are in your sphere of influence? Do they see you as a blessing? There's a lot of you know, work that can be done in the church, no doubt, amongst Fathers, amongst mothers, amongst grandparents, siblings, where we can be more loving, more kind, and more giving towards those in our homes. Because you always hear about the, the stingy, you know, father or the stingy mother 
or the mean sibling. That ought not to be for us who are believers in Jesus Christ. He's our king, and he is so giving and so gracious, and his whole life was to bless others. And so we want to be those who bless others, as our Lord was. Jesus would say in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with, it shall be measured to you again. If we're givers, and we're kind, and we are living lives to bless others, God said that that men will bless us in turn. You often think about, you know, wanting a promotion, wanting that job, and, you know, why should God give us that promotion? Why should he give you and I that job that we desire if we're not blessing people now where we're at? He wants to give us more responsibility. He wants to give us more authority. But if we're not treating people right where we're at, then why should he give us more? Does that make sense? But he says, if you give, more will be given. If you bless, right? If you're blessing others, then God will give you more. And there's so many within the church today as a whole of people not giving of themselves for, for the Lord or for others. So many people are still at home, not coming around, not, not active in the church. Like, what is that all about? When our Lord served and blessed. And you see Solomon, and here he is on this great day, and his desire was to bless the people. Because like he knew, that's his job. And we should know it's our job to bless the body of Christ, to bless those around us, and to show them, you know, the love of Christ. And so he turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel. And while the assembly of Israel was standing, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has fulfilled with his hands what he spoke with his mouth to my father David. And, and so it's a beautiful statement. He's, he's saying, bless the Lord who has fulfilled with his hands what he said with his mouth. And so he's saying that God has fulfilled what he, he, he's, he actually did what he said he would do. It wasn't just talk. And with God, his promises are yes and amen. Like what he says to us and that he's going to bless us. We can count on that. God will fulfill it with his hand. It's not just talk with God. So you hold on to those promises in the Bible. You hold on to what God has said to your heart and just receive it and, and believe that he's going to fulfill it in his time. But it is in his time. In my walk with the Lord, I mean, I have, I have dreamed unto the Lord. I have, you know, re, you know, received vision from the Lord, dreams from the Lord, confirmation concerning ministry and the preaching of the gospel and things of the church throughout my walk with the Lord. I, from time to time, God has given me those things, and I just write them down, like Habakkuk. I write the vision down. It's for an appointed time. But I, 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 I trust in God's promises for my life because I've seen that he has spoken that word to my heart and then fulfilled it. 
My, my life is a walking kind of poster child of God fulfilling promise after promise. Yes, with trials, and yes, with, with struggles, and yes, with persecutions. But God fulfills what he says with his mouth. He fulfills it with his hand. And though it was King David, Solomon's father, who did the planning of the temple, that it was he who got the workers to come down from Lebanon, and it was him who got the materials, and then it was eventually Solomon who built the thing, had it built, and all of these men and workers had their hand in building the temple, but at the end of the day, Solomon is saying, it was you, Lord, it was your hand. It was your hand, Lord, all along. And that's true, is it not, for the things that God builds in our lives? For the lives that he has built, that he has constructed, the blessings that he has given us? We can, on a small level, understand what Solomon is, is feeling with this church that he's given us. He did it, not us, he did it. And we have pictures on our website of the guys removing rock and people doing work here. And it's beautiful. And the hands really have labored. The men have done a phenomenal job. And the sisters. It's just been a work of the church and it's a blessing. But at the end of the day, it was his hand, not ours. Because if it wasn't for his grace, we would not have, you know, the energy, the know-how, the hands, the feet to do the work. It's all God and and Solomon's giving them all the credit and all the glory and it's just beautiful uh, to see and I just think that language that he's saying is beautiful you know he says who has fulfilled with his hands what he spoke with his mouth it's just beautiful beautiful language in other words God always does what he says he will do in his word he will always do it he will always do what he says he's going to do. The question is, do we always do what we say we're going to do? Do we always do what we say we're going to do? James tells us uh, in James uh, 5, verse 12, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. We have to be a people that, who, who keeps their word. We have to be a people of integrity because that's who our God is. So we need to be careful when we tell people, yes, I'll do this or that. No, I won't do this or that. We have to be careful and be those that keep our word to people. God is faithful to fulfill his word. We need to be faithful to fulfill the word that we give to people. I have been shocked over the years. How many Christians who have thought that they were mature, guys, they thought they were mature, but then they, 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 they so flippantly change their minds and do the opposite of what they say they were going to do. It's saddening. It, it just shows where they're at with the Lord. We have to let our yes be yes and our no mean no. God help us to do so. And he does. And he does. Have you vowed to the Lord anything? If you know Jesus and you vowed to give him your life, is, have you done that? Is, are you living his will be done? 
in your life or is it still all about whatever you want to do? We all have made a vow to the Lord and we're called to pay that vow, to honor that vow. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. Who has fulfilled with his hands what he spoke with his mouth to my father David, saying, Since the day that I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. Nor did I choose any man to be a ruler over my people Israel. No city and no man. But then eventually the Lord did do that. Yet I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name may be there. Wow, that, that statement is, 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 is powerful. It's, it's a big statement, especially if you ever get to get to Israel. And the first time you come around the bend and you see the city of David for the first time in your life, it's like no other city. Because there's no other city on earth that God has placed his name there. So everyone's blown out of their minds blessed when we first see Jerusalem. It just blows your mind because you know in your spirit that that is a special city to God. And one day he's going to make a new Jerusalem where we're going to live for him, with him forever. So it's not like any other city. And it goes way back to the book of Chronicles, first and second. I mean, it's just he has chosen that city and it is a good reminder for us to bless Israel to pray for Israel for God's people according to the flesh you know and I know if you know anything about prophecy that they're gonna suffer in the future but many are gonna come to know Jesus Christ so we need to pray for Israel we need to pray um, for uh, Jerusalem and I love Psalm 122 verse 6 it says pray for the peace of Jerusalem may they prosper who love you and I believe that's true that if you pray for Jerusalem if you pray for God's people according to the flesh I believe that there is still a blessing for those who who bless Abraham's people and a curse for those who curse them so bless them. If you want to be blessed by God, pray for Israel. Add that. Kids, add that. I'm going to pray for Israel. Because in the future, during the Great Tribulation, God's going to awaken their eyes to the reality that, oh my goodness, Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah all along. That's future. That's going to happen. So, if he put his name on that city, let us be reminded to bless that his people according to the flesh, which we're going to talk about in, in Romans coming up here on Sunday. And, and Israel's facing a lot of pressure, as you know. Their anti-Semitism is, is up all over the world. Hatred and, and uh, prejudice against the Jews. And so many are, are being caused to go back to Israel. Um, but it's, it's just a, a terrible state around the world for the Hebrews. So keep them in prayer. Amen? Amen? All right. I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there. Nor did I choose any man to be ruler over my people Israel. Yet I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there. And I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. 
But the Lord said to my father, David, whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well in that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son, who will come from your body, he shall build the temple. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m., and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills. We don't